Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com. It is February 17th. We are here to talk Monday Night Raw with Denise Salcedo, who was at a WWE press event at Wrestle for WrestleMania this past week. You wore the hard hat and all that stuff. I even said, I think you're the only one that can pull that off, Denise. We got to keep the hard hats. Yeah. These are so, I mean, they're really just regular hats with stuff on them. But you know what? It's a souvenir. Only a few people have got it. So I'm going to go ahead and appreciate it. You know, it was a crazy day. It was this past Tuesday. Um, I got there. It was at the SoFi Stadium, which is pretty much like, Still so much work needs to be done. I mean, it's pretty advanced as you guys, you saw the pictures, Mm -hmm. but there's still like that, like a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. I was a little concerned, but, um, okay. So we got there, I got off the car and I just see a sea of people dressed in yellow. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I don't know who anyone is here and everyone's dressed in those construction outfits. And I'm thinking, oh, they're really going to make us go through with this. Cause they had like very strict rules. Like you got to wear pants, you got to wear long sleeves, you got to wear, uh, boots, no open toed, any of that. So when I got there, I didn't know anybody. And then it's funny because I'm seeing like Roman Reigns come out, Renee Young, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I look like a geek in this outfit. But it ended up working out. They did a really quick press conference, and then they gave like an awesome opportunity for everybody to do one-on-ones, which mm-hmm. was great. So I was able to get the interviews with Roman, Becky, and Stephanie. I love the junket-style stuff. They did those at SummerSlam, and I really enjoyed them. Why didn't the wrestlers have to wear any of that stuff? That's what I'm saying. Okay, so not only that. So, you know, when you're there, I was looking, obviously, all the media was wearing theirs, Mm -hmm. but not all the media was in front of the camera, so they didn't care, but Mm -hmm. I was, and so I didn't think about it until afterwards. I was like, did I, like, have to take my outfit off? Should I have taken it off? I don't know, but, like, those were the rules. Like, this was mandatory. You got to wear this outfit, but from the looks of it, the talent definitely did not have to. You know, WWE PR wasn't wearing it, so I think it was just, like, they, they're fine, but, like, hey, Mm -hmm. if something happens to us and we put them this giant lawsuit to the SoFi Stadium, then it could be, like, a big deal, but it was 
it's funny because a lot of people didn't know why I was wearing the hard hat or the construction outfit. So it was kind of embarrassing to have to explain that. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, I'm telling you, and I even said this on Listen Your Boy last week, you're the only one that can pull that off. Like, you're like, <laughs> for you, like, that's something that I like, if you told me, hey, Denise brought that just to be in theme, I'd be like, of course she would, because she's brilliant. Like, oh my God. It, I'm telling it, you, it works for you. It, it would not work for me. It would not work for Micah Johnson or Dave Meltzer. It would not work for anybody <laughs> else except for Denise Salcedo. So make sure you guys funny. check out her interviews. We have some articles up on those as well. Uh, well worth checking out. Also, uh, while we're getting plugs out of the way, check out FightfulSelect.com, our premium service. I posted the Backstage Report podcast today. Uh, I've got a lot of exclusive info in there about why or where Vince McMahon's been, how he's not been around, uh, some Performance Center news. And on FightfulSelect.com this week, I have some more Performance Center news coming up. But tonight during Raw, I posted an exclusive story about why CFOs is no longer working with WWE to produce music. That is a Fightful Select exclusive. Head over there, subscribe, check it out. Lots of good stuff over there. But uh reminder, guys, if you want your question or statement read on the air, donate a super chat if you're watching live at youtube.com slash Fightful. Leave that thumbs up, subscribe, uh, turn on your notifications. That will let you know when we go live or uplo- upload a video. I posted the latest shocking facts video for the Elimination Chamber. Also worth checking out. Well, let's get into Monday Night Raw. And Anakin JMT sends a super chat and says, why are Sarah Logan and Asuka in the chamber match? That is a good question, Denise. And the short answer is the roster is thin. But we'll we'll be talking about it later. I it seems like they're trying to do a little bit too much at one time right now. Well, I feel like there's always that one or two question mark in the elimination chamber where we're like, why that why is that guy in it? This just happens to be the women's one and it just just happens to be the way it is. And I just feel like looking at it, it's just so clear, obviously, who we know and we want to win and see, you know, face Becky and all of that. So for me, it's kind of, uh, I think it is lacking a little bit of excitement, though. I will say that just because a few of the names I kind of felt weren't, um, weren't as like believable for me to say, oh, there might be a shot for them and Becky. It's frustrating to me to have, all these people entered in there when they could have just done qualifying matches. And I had some people say, oh, well, there's there's not enough people. There's not enough women. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. They brought the headbangers back in 2016 and did stuff. You can have Zelina lose. Lana can lose again. I don't know what the Iconics are doing right now. They haven't been around for a while. I don't know if they're healthy. But if Kyrie's not going to be in it, have her lose a qualifying match, and you've already got three or four people. Deanna Perrazzo comes back and forth to Raw all the time. Caitlyn is taking matches in South Africa and stuff. Bring her back for a surprise appearance or something. Make these six people more important to me by the time this show rolls around. And you've got weeks. And as we saw tonight, we had a whole bunch of matches without stakes that were not important. And it bored me. I was bored. All night long. This was not the good Raw that we have been talking about recently. 
Oh, no, I didn't it enjoy really it. wasn't. And here's the thing: it had they had those qualifying matches, and it would have put more focus on them and more continuous. Because I feel like it hasn't even been that big of a constant reminder that Elimination Chamber is coming back. I mean, coming, coming, coming this month. Um, and I just kept thinking to myself, like, oh, okay, well, this is happening, and I just felt like there wasn't that much like focus on it or much attention on it. And you know, they could have done a lot more, I think, with that. I never liked the Elimination. Yeah, I never liked the Elimination Chamber where it is anyway because the Royal Rumble is the big thing. You have 29 people that lose a match because one person goes through everybody. Then the next month, usually you would have like five people challenge for a title. I'm glad that's not happening this year. I'm glad they're not doing title matches in there. It should be top contender matches. But to me... It seems weird to go Royal Rumble, Elimination Chamber, WrestleMania. I think the Elimination Chamber is, I don't want to say a tentpole show, but it would it would seem a lot more fitting in like April or May. Like right after WrestleMania, you've got a new fresh year. All right, let's show you that four or five people are immediately in the top title conversation. That way for the rest of the year, you know they're in the mix because they were in this match. However, they've moved money in the bank right after WrestleMania, which I don't like. I like them spreading that stuff out a little bit. Every couple of months, you have a SummerSlam or an Elimination Chamber or a Survivor Series or some big show. And it seems just like rapid fire January through May. They want you to tune in. And then the rest of the year, it's like, well, we'll just cruise. It's 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 a little frustrating. But we do have... Monday Night Raw to talk about. Reminder, get your Super Chats in, ask a question or statement on the air. We will answer it or read it. (sighs) My first problem with this show was it being announced last week. Matt Hardy in a no-holds-barred match with Randy Orton, and fortunately they didn't do it. I'm so glad they didn't do it. And Matt Hardy shot his own angles on social media, blessed the guy. But it was the perfect write-off last week, and they saw how well it was received, and they're like, well... Let's milk this cow again, Denise. What did you think when you heard that announcement? When I saw that, I thought to myself, well, I feel like a fool because we went on here on this podcast and we made this big hoorah about, you know, this is his send-off, this is his goodbye, we're moving on, this added to the story, blah, blah, blah. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, that was not on point with that with that at all. And then when I saw that the reasoning why he came back and that they were extending extending his time here because of the, how popular this feud got, this story got over. And so I thought to myself, okay, that's great, but when do you end it like where is the exclamation point we need that um we need that exclamation point yeah uh, we sure did and they added another exclamation point but orton says he was supposed to face matt hardy tonight and this is after a big video package and a chorus of booze but after last week that's not happening matt hardy was backstage trying to get cleared and he comes back out with his neck brace on thankfully because if he came out and wrestled tonight in any capacity it would have undermined the point But he he still wants to know, he being Hardy, why Orton did what he did to Edge. And he says that he came to fight Orton but can't get cleared. He doesn't know what the future holds for him, but it won't be on Orton's terms. It'll be on his. I thought this was a nice little bit of concession because Matt Hardy has not made it a secret on his social media. He knows that he is being used for a purpose on WWE TV. And that is to put everybody over on his way out because he won't sign a new deal. I thought that was a nice line to add in. And... (laughs) Here we are he, talking about him being written off again, but 
And we also had that tweet last week that we talked about, too. I think he wrote, like, goodbye or something. It was very obvious that that was the end. Um, but I actually liked all of this, the part where Matt Hardy comes out, and I just felt that he he got the emotion across very strongly, and I know he did that the week prior as well. So he really continued with that. And it's funny because this is probably, like, the most recent time that I really remember in recent times being invested in something that Matt Hardy has been doing since 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 the delete stuff that really just came out and it was you know really overproduced at this point but um but since then this is like something where we're actually talking about matt hardy so i really liked how that played out yeah i thought that this was pretty well done too i don't think they needed this again this week but all things considered it was another home run segment for randy orton it was another home run segment for matt hardy Orton says, yeah, but see, go ahead. The thing, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but now that you mentioned that, it's just the thing is that we had, you know, this moment with Randy and Edge, and then that ended, and now there's, like, all this anticipation off of that. But now it kind of seems like with the consecutive week with Matt Hardy, it seems like that focus has shifted all around, and now it's sort of taken away from the whole Edge-Orton thing. Yeah, to me, this could have been... Any number of people. And I like the idea of Randy Orton doing this to people like MVP. I would love for him to be on the VIP lounge. And MVP says the wrong thing. He gets it too. And there were talks of Big Show showing up. I wouldn't mind it happening to him. And it's like Randy Orton's kind of bringing the legend killer back. And getting to his roots. Even though he's a legend himself. And uh, I mean. there. Th- WWE right now is trying to romanticize the ruthless aggression era. It's pretty obvious. With the docuseries and all that, I thought the first episode sucked. I thought it was real really? bad. Yeah. I thought that they... I was about to watch it tonight, too. I mean, it's worth it's worth the watch. It's especially good for people who weren't around in that era. But WWE is trying to rewrite history there. Them saying that they changed the, the name of the company because Vince McMahon was a visionary. Not, that not, always happens, though, with WWE. They always rewrite yeah. their own history. Yeah, meanwhile, they released episode two today about John Cena, and it was fantastic. I thought it was a great episode. And they're they're romanticizing that era, in my opinion, because, quite frankly, it's getting irresponsible to romanticize the Attitude Era. You can't keep bringing back Kane and Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Those guys are all in their 50s. And while that's not as egregious as it once was... At least when you romanticize the ruthless aggression era, you have Cena popping in and Orton popping in and uh, Lesnar. And you've got some people here and there that you can familiarize the audience with. Uh, I mean, Sheldon Benjamin just signed a new multi-year deal at 44 years old. That so, was unexpected, uh, yeah. to be honest. When I saw that on the news, I thought to myself, wow, that's interesting considering I think the, I think it was written along the lines that he wasn't, you know, he isn't doing much. He pops in here and there. So I was yeah. actually pretty su- surprised by that. But, I mean, hey, he's going to make six figures into his late 40s, so good for him. And I, I would love for them, since they are romanticizing this, this ruthless aggression era, which, hey, the first two years of it, 2002 to 2004 – I loved it. The Batista turning on Triple H storyline, loved it. There were some there were some high spots there. But for the most part, I thought 04 through 08 was a really dark period and I, I was more interested in TNA. The Legend Killer is one of those highlights. It's one of those things that they just did right and I would love to see them kind of go back to that well. Uh he says that Hardy has balls and he respects him, but he loves Edge like a brother and then he apologizes. He makes it to the top of the ramp before he turns around, 
and Hardy grabs a chair, but he misses and gets his ass kicked. And then we get right off number two, a chair attack, and then Orton does it on the steel stairs outside. At this point, I just hope they, they book a last man standing match for next week so I can flip out about it. And Matt Hardy wheels himself down to the ring in a wheelchair, and he's just like, I'm not done! I'm not done yet! I've got grit. Yes, exactly, grit. I didn't like that line, but uh, I did like this segment. I liked segment. it when Edge used it, but yeah. it's one of those lines where one guy uses it at one time, and that's it. I don't want to yeah. hear everybody else reusing it, because that was Edge's line, and that was Edge's moment, and it came with what he was going through at that time. This is the true grit era, though. In 20 years, we're going to get the true grit docuseries <laughs> from WWE about all these 40, 50-year-olds working for WWE. It'll be that... That that'll be the series. So they've got uh, grit. How how'd you feel about the the second so, ride off? So you know, okay. So I liked all of this in terms of I like the fact more focusing on Randy Orton. So you know, we talk about him being the legend killer when he's doing this stuff in the ring and he's about to take everything to the next level um, with his vicious attacks. It all he stops, he pauses, he thinks about it, and kind of thinks like, should I do this? Should I not? So I feel the fact that. We're not exactly getting just like this really angry guy who just goes straight forward, straight forward to that Mm -hmm. angry point. No, he has like this remorse and like this evaluation and then he gets to that. So I like the fact that they're actually adding layers to the storyline. Like it's not just, you know, good and bad. Like, no, we're seeing different shades of Randy and we're seeing this, uh, you know, we're really seeing him think about this stuff. And I did like the addition of Matt Hardy because, you know, Matt Hardy comes out and, you know, well, I mainly liked it last week because he came out and he had like, you know, I, of all people, you know, should have this hatred for edge uh and you know i how could you do this to him blah 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 but the line that really got me was when randy orton said that he actually loved edge Mm -hmm. i thought that was a nice addition to all of this because again he isn't just like this evil person like no he loves edge but how can he do this to him so i like how they're playing off of all of that yeah i did too i I think this was a another good segment from those guys and I just thought it made a whole lot of sense. I, I, if they're gonna bring Matt Hardy back, do it this way. Don't have a match. Don't do that. I think that undermines it. Reminder, guys, you can check out my event, Sean Ross App Served Hall, presented by Primetime Pro Wrestling, April 2nd in Tampa. You can go to Primetime PW on Twitter. There is a link for tickets there. I mentioned some venue issues. That is, is fixed. We are now at the American Legion Post 5. And doors will open uh, at 2 p.m. Bell time at 2.30, so a bit of a time change. Sean Rossap served tall. We already have Daniel Makabe versus Eric Royal and Jonathan Gresham versus Fred Yehai. Uh, two incredible matchups if you're into some pure professional wrestling. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm admittedly a little bit nervous, but... I get to watch Jonathan Gresham wrestle. I'm pretty excited about that. One of my dude, I, don't be nervous. This is your moment. Yeah, and I mean that's a guy who, whenever I get into the gym, I watch his tutorials to help myself not. I, I won't say stay sharp, but stay less rusty than I would be before. Uh, Kiwi Rob says, "What other matches from NXT would you put on the Mania card for this year's Mania? Since the NXT Women's Title match is on Mania, I wouldn't put any on there. I would make it separate. I would make it separate." And, and keep building NXT to the point to where it becomes a two-night thing and you're running back-to-back nights 
in the stadium. Like, no, let NXT be its own thing. And Triple H told us this on the media call last week. He doesn't want a ton of crossover there. He wants the, the diminishing returns to be kept at a minimum. He wants NXT to be its own thing. This is a special situation. How about you, Denise? You know, I see both sides of it because I feel like there should part okay, part of me feels there should be NX, more NXT matches on the WrestleMania card because again we've been talking about the fact that you know hey NXT's on USA now they're not just a developmental brand they're supposed to be on par with Raw and SmackDown etc so having their matches on there definitely feeds to that argument but then the uniqueness and the style and the way that the NXT brand works is just so different from Raw and SmackDown and you know their fans and the uniqueness that they have and the feel for it it would take away from that so to be honest I see both arguments, and so I, I feel like I'm not completely for one thing or for another. I just think that they both have interesting uh, – like, there should be WrestleMania matches, but then at the same time, they should just keep to themselves and do their thing. Yeah, there are, there are pros and cons from both of those, but if you had to put one, oh, man. I would maybe put, like, Walter defending his title and saying that he'll defend it in the Andre Battle Royal or something, and then he wins it and retains his title – or, or something like that. I wouldn't necessarily... Or even like Keith Lee. He's been like on fire lately. So how do you leave that guy out? There's just so many people that you can't leave out. There you go. Anakin JMT says, If this is the true grit era, Jeff Bridges better show up. Well, he's 70, so he's about the right age to wrestle on a WWE show uh, these days. Up next, Aleister Black defeated Eric Rowan. So I had said last week I wish they would just consolidate these if they're going to do it. I expected a little bit of a build, like they would meet on the ramp or something, but they had a match, and it was honestly, um, I I thought this was my favorite match of the night, just because the main event didn't have a clean finish, but Black gets thrown around and beaten on a little bit, and I had a problem with when they went to commercial, because we're seeing er- Eric Rowan abuse Aleister Black, which we've never seen on the main roster. Aleister Black hasn't lost a singles match in over a year. And they're like, well, commercial time. This guy who never gets beats getting thrown around. But Aleister Black comes back. I kind of wish they would have saved this for one of the pay-per-views. Not Super Showdown, obviously, because Aleister Black can't go. But they could have <laughs> built this for weeks and then they had their first match at Elimination Chamber. And been these two relatively unstoppable people who have been squashing the roster. But it was fine. It was fine. The Black Mass and Iron Claw Slam got countered. Rowan hit a great powerbomb. He's very underrated in the ring. But a couple black masses win it for Aleister Black. How do you feel about all this? I know I kind of unpacked a lot there. No, you're good. So basically for me, I'm glad that they just had this match now. Like, yeah, they can have some other ones down the line, but I'm happy that they did this now because I know it's funny too because when they had the match, I thought to myself, oh, someone's definitely listening to Sean on this one. Um, So I thought to myself, like, it's better to have it now uh, basically, why keep lagging? It's so much better to have them go at it than what they've been doing because both guys have really kind of just been doing random stuff every single week for months on the show. I mean, we've had Rowan beating jobbers uh, with in his cage or his whatever he has in that page thing. And then Aleister Black has been kind of, you know, he's had decent matches here and there every other week, but for the most part, it's just been like talk, talk, talk. So, hey, might as well just have them stop doing that and go at it. So, I actually like this. I thought it was a fine uh, fine match for Raw. 
Yeah, I, to me, I'm just thinking about how they have two pay-per-views in a week, like a week and a half. And I thought that would be an excellent opportunity to have not not half and half rosters, but showcase some matches on pay-per-view that wouldn't normally get showcased. And I thought this would have been a really good opportunity. I thought it would have been uh, a, a nice shot to do that. And, I mean, there, there are unlimited opportunities there, but, I mean, it's, it's kind of gone by the wayside now. I don't want to see this match again. Alistair Black won convincingly. <laughs> I'm sure they'll say, yeah. well, it took two black masses, so now he's got to face him again. Whatever. I, I have a feeling we're going to see it again, whether we want to or not. <laughs> yeah. We had a series of in-ring promos that I wasn't over the moon about. Uh, the Charlotte promo, she came out and called the NXT chance, and I will say hers was probably rooted in the most substance. She says that she and her class helped shape the foundation of NXT into a third brand, when they wrestled in warehouses in front of nobody and that Rhea Ripley didn't struggle like she did and is entitled from Charlotte. I think that's kind of interesting considering the fact who she is. Like, I mean, she'll always have those accusations of nepotism no matter what because of her being Ric Flair's daughter. But this, this seemed like it was just to buy another week. That's how it felt. Yeah. So, I personally love Charlotte's promo on this. I thought it came across great. I I thought there was some missed parts where the fans didn't react to certain things that I thought maybe they should have just because I did think that she delivered it well and everything she said. You know, it made sense for who she is and what she's talking about. Um, my favorite part was the fact that she added that who is telling Rhea Ripley who is putting these ideas into her head that she can come here to Raw and essentially challenge me, etc. I thought that was a great touch. I like the part where she said, um, pride comes before the fall and I'm going to humble you at WrestleMania. It was little things like that that I personally was a fan of for this promo. Um, I won't necessarily say that I was a fan of the whole Shayna thing. We will definitely get into that. Yeah, uh, the way that you sold the the Charlotte promo, this it makes it more substantial than a lot of the other stuff. But let, let's go ahead and talk about the Shayna promo. Uh, we got a super chat from Andrew Nolly who said, "I love the Becky Shayna segment and loved how they played up the fact that Shayna is a cage fighter and that Elimination Chamber sets perfect or sets up perfect for her." I thought that was the highlight of the promo. I thought that was the one particularly good thing that you could take from all this was that they said Shayna Baszler has experience in a cage. That's where she's comfortable. She holds an advantage there. Outside of that, I was like, eh. It really seemed like they walked back the bite thing. It seemed like they recognized that that was a bit too ridiculous because she says that she didn't even expect to do that. And... Uh, Shane or Becky came out and I felt like it was just, uh, it was so just overdone. It was overcooked is what this was. Her coming out there with a prop, a paper bag <laughs> and be like, here's the money. And it's like, ah, you thought this was clever. And the thing is that Becky Lynch is very clever. Maybe the most clever person on the roster. It, I think it just would have made sense for her to reach into a pocket or something. Like, does she not own a, a a satchel, a catch, a wallet, anything? What do you fashionable girls call them these days? What is it? A clutch? A purse? They, a purse? I, don't know. I mean, of course she's not going to bring a purse out to the ring, but something. Well, hey, 
all those bills, they have those giant Mary Kate Ashley Olsen type bags. She could have filled that up with them, them dollar bills. And like, first off, who carries cash like that anymore? Come on. Nobody. Nobody carries cash like that. When so, I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, you go for it because I'm going to have the thought after. I go to parking lots that just take cash and I get pissed off. I'm like, get one of the gimmicks that go on your phone. No, I'm not saying that Becky should have dropped her credit card down there, but maybe do a reloadable visa or something. I don't know. It just, Venmo? it looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drop your cash app in there. That's the thing. If Becky Lynch dropped her cash app thing, you would get so many stands that would just send her money. You'd also get those insane, like, $2,000 money requests and stuff like that. But oh you would God. have so many stands that just send her money. But, I, I just thought the paper bag and pulling out the money was a little bit corny. I, I like the idea, the sentiment behind it, but it seemed really, really forced. And Shayna says that she's going to tear the living shit out of Becky Lynch. And I mean, quite honestly, sometimes that happens, Denise. Sometimes when you use Bluetooth.com code Fightful, you'll tear the living shit out of her. For better or for worse, it might happen. Bluechew.com code FIFO brings you the first F or the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But you're not gonna lose a pound of flesh along the way or a pound out of your wallet. You're not gonna have to carry around a paper bag full of cash to use Blue Chew. Why? Because it's cheaper, it's better, it's faster. It's ready whenever you are. It's a chewable. It gets into your system a lot faster. It's cheaper. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. You don't have to uh, set up a doctor's appointment. So it's cheap on time as well. It's prescribed online by Blue Chew affiliated physicians. And it comes to your house directly so you can come wherever you want as discreetly or not discreetly as you want. I mean, not wherever you want. Discretion or consent is important, guys. Don't get crazy. But I'm just saying, BlueChew.com code Fightful is the way to go. You get your first shipment free. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping, which is a heck of a deal. A heck of a deal. And as as Hannah Moore says to wrap up this plug, by the way, if you want your plug to be more substantial, use BlueChew.com code Fightful. Hannah Moore says, a fanny pack. They use fanny packs. They sell them everywhere now. They're fashionable again. There we go. Hannah, who almost wore the same outfit as Charlotte Flair, uh, this past week without even intending to do it. I had to have somebody fast. Well, hit me up here. I have to ask you or Hannah this stuff. I'm, I'm rocking the fightful South Beach on the show, <laughs> but damn. <sighs> Anakin says, cue the awesome Denise faces. Does she think she oh, can keep no, a Oh, no, please no. <laughs> did she we're think gonna, what? Wait, we're wait, gonna do a compilation eventually. He says, does, does she think she can keep a straight faces to all of Warren's vampire jokes? Yes, we would just turn, she'd hit the red button on Skype for that. 
But Denise, <laughs> th- there was a segment to talk about, and it wasn't Blue Chew. Uh, Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch, how do you feel? Okay, so here's the what I was going to say originally, is that the part where she says, hey, I'm a cage fighter, blah, 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 I'm thinking to myself, yes, exactly, which is why last week you should have came in and kicked Becky's butt instead of biting her. Once again, you are a person with real experience as an MMA fighter, so come in here and do something in that sense versus going ahead and you know doing this crazy vampire biting thing. So that was the one thing that I wanted to add to myself because I was like, it was more impressive had you came out and done that instead of just coming out and saying that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you there, uh, man. <sighs> but I didn't think that delivery was that strong, though. Too, I thought that Shayna has this like very, you know, she's she's got the the tough girl, edgy thing. I thought we didn't really get that from her during this promo, though. Backstage, I it more. backstage, Angel Garza and Zelina are there. Lashley and Lana are there. They're kissing each other's asses before the match. <sighs> the Rusev, Lashley, and Reigns, Corbin storylines are heading on month number five. And, I mean, we're, we're at least getting Corbin, Reigns through the next week and a half, and then they're both tentatively scheduled for Elimination Chamber. I I don't need to see either one of these anymore, Denise. I'm so done with it. I'm so beyond it. I'm over it. Do, are, are either of these? Have- Go ahead. I think we had a few weeks where we didn't see Rusev. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, both of those weeks we saw Lana and Liv wrestling, and that was it. I mean, this Garza gets a fan to kiss him at ringside. That was cool. This match is basically Humberto Carrillo getting his ass kicked for about six minutes, and he is so much better than a tag team because he he can sell very very well. It just work a lot better if I gave a shit about him, but I don't. Now, if it's him and Garza as a tag team, I could see it. They're cousins. It makes sense. You, you want Humberto Carrillo to be around somebody he can learn from. But Rusev has a great hot tag. And uh, one part that took me out of the match was Garza getting thrown on the mat and then him walking his body around. That way, Rusev could hit the headbutt okay. Uh, Garza rolls up Rusev after after Lashley distracts him. At this point, I'm like, why is Rusev still feuding with him? Because he keeps losing, too. Like, th- this is an utterly pointless feud to continue. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and it's crazy that it's been sort of jumbled in with the whole Bobby and, and Rusev. And basically now it's just this big goblet of I don't even know what. Um, So I will say that I felt they gave um, Umberto a lot of moments to shine. I did feel like there was a big focus on him during this match. Um. I like Garza and Zelina's chemistry together. I think they work well with each other. I did like that backstage, uh, not necessarily the whole backstage promo, but I did like the interaction between Garza and Zelina where he was calling her boss and, you know, she was telling him, like, don't, you know, don't tell me to calm down. And I thought they had, like, a nice little interaction. I thought it was funny, the girl that came up to kiss Garza, because it was random and out of nowhere. And it seemed like she was further than I expected her to be for this kiss. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she like Brad. <laughs> She's trying to get a tryout for the XFL with that forty time. Like she was darting to the barricade. It was 
I, I like that as well. That that's the type of stuff that Garza needs to show his personality. The pants stuff, the girls kissing him at ringside, him doing those little things. Like one of the biggest things that he did, he went next to Leo Rush's wife in NXT, and then he took the pants off, and they yeah. sold it amazingly. It was it was really good. I I'll say this: this is the most interested I've been in Carrillo in a while. Because, like I've said, he needs to be in a tag team. At this stage of his career, that's just what he needs. He could play a great babyface in peril, and I thought he did that well. I almost feel like they're giving him more of a ricochet vibe, where they want to be the, he wants to be the guy with the big moves and the cool moves and, oh, look at him and all of that, but then there's no substance to it. So and, I almost feel like that's the direction. And let's transition right into that. The OC come out. They tout AJ Styles' achievements. Call him the new Mr. WrestleMania. Uh, Styles says he's going to prove how legendary he is. WrestleZone reported last week that it looks like AJ versus Undertaker at Mania. I'm all for that. I can already think up a 7-8 minute Undertaker-Styles match in my head that would be awesome. So if I can think that up, and it'd be awesome, I can only imagine what those two can cook up. And it's good to see AJ back less than a month after he separated his shoulder. That's great. OC is so funny. They just got to let them be themselves because they are so funny. And uh, the match writes itself. Phenom versus Phenomenal. Come on. That's that's there. That's the poster. It's ready to go. Before we get into Ricochet, what do you think of the rumors of uh, Undertaker AJ? Okay, so first I thought to myself, okay, that's cool because I know we have to have, you know, we still haven't had the official Undertaker retirement or we've had semi-official ones, but not official. You make what you choose of those. At first I thought to myself, well, you know, I guess I kind of would have preferred a different match, but uh, but then I started thinking to myself, like, there are certain things that AJ Styles brings to the table that nobody else can bring. So even if the Undertaker isn't the same person that he used to be or whatever, I know that if he's put with somebody like AJ Styles, AJ Styles will go ahead and pretty much have like a great, you know, short match with The Undertaker. And I think in the end, uh, I think it'll be pretty good, you know, for what it is. Yeah, uh, I had somebody who didn't send a super chat ask me to lay that out. I'll I'll do something on another show with that. But to me, it's it's real easy when you've got old school choke slam, last ride, tombstone, hell's gate, calf crusher, phenomenal forearm. All that stuff. It's so easy to go in and out of their signature moves and work that. Uh, Ricochet interrupts and doesn't say anything substantial per usual. AJ even said, nobody really believes you're going to be champion, and nobody does. That's the thing. Nobody does, Denise. And That was savage, okay? That, that yeah. was super savage. And there was an interaction between Jimmy Van, the founder of Fightful, and I wish I didn't laugh because I like Ricochet. I think he's he's so special and generational because you look at him and you're like, wow, he's he can he's a high flyer. The guy is stupid strong too. And Jimmy Van said, imagine how over Ricochet would be in WWE if he never cut a live promo. And then Alex Palowski, host of Sour Graps on FightfulSelect.com, he says, I don't have to. I saw Prince Puma in Lucha Underground. And hey. Anybody that saw him in New Japan, anybody that sees that saw him when he worked PWG, they realize how he can get over. He doesn't have to talk, and if he has to, he can have somebody else talk for him. Rob Van Dam had Bill Alfonso next to him for a long time, and that really accentuated the act. Ricochet 
having a hype man, a likable one, wouldn't be a bad thing. But all this superheroes are real crap has got to go, man. It's got to go. And the thing is, I, I admire the fact that Ricochet can go in every single night and do something spectacular. But when I see the same two or three spectacular things out of him every week, and then a couple matches before that, I saw one of them out of Humberto Carrillo, it ain't that spectacular. That's why, as much as I like a good suicide dive, if it doesn't look like you're taking somebody out like Darby Allen is, what's the point? What's the point? Because if you're doing something that looks significantly worse than everybody else, cool it. Ricochet does this type of stuff better than everybody, but everybody else still does it. It's so frustrating to see. And I think, and, and I'm not telling him to slow down, just vary it up. Because whoever's telling him, hey, do that dive every single week, do that dive. Well, we expect it now. We know what's happening. I was more amazed at Anderson's spinebuster at this point. Uh, I did like that Ricochet won with a fireman's carry into a kick. That was varying it up a little bit, so can't complain there. But otherwise, whoop-de-doo. But here's the thing, too, is that I almost think that we also need to switch it up a bit. You know, have Ricochet go with somebody that could work that same style as he does. And, you know, put together a different type of match that you don't see on Raw. I mean, it is so easy to get those types of matches over, you know, with an audience, with children, with casual viewers, etc. So why not, you know, have, switch it up a little bit? Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Andrew Nolly says, AJ Styles versus Undertaker should rule. I think it will. I, I think that WWE probably understands after the Goldberg match that it is a much better idea to put Undertaker in there with with somebody that can work and do things the right way. I mean, look at that tag match last year. That tag match was really, really good, and Undertaker was good in it. Anakin says, as someone working through a divorce, why does Rusev still care about Lashley? I'll be glad to not have anything to do with my ex and her boyfriend. Why can't Rusev be the same? He is. He's He just keeps getting booked in this stuff. Like, he's not hunting them down anymore. Denise, it doesn't make any sense. No, and it's funny because even today when he came out, he didn't have that, like, you know, that usual, like, oh, you make me sick face or any of that. No, he just came out. He was, like, had a regular match, no big deal, moving on from there. So I almost feel like Rusev's also ready to move on with this. But it's just, it, it needs to end. There has to come a point. But then I think to myself, will it ever end? It's not going to end until they actually separate Bobby and Lana to get, separate them, to separate them apart. Because if not, we're always just going to have this constant reminder but then it's like what else can they do even if they want to keep them together let's have them do something different it just needs to it's just it's it's stuck on us it really is stuck on us and there there's something special about the first time people fight and you just don't see that a lot in WWE anymore you got to beat the person that you're gonna eventually face and to me there's there's nothing that's special about seeing a match for the sixth or seventh time. And I know a lot of people also romanticize the best of seven series like like Booker T and I think Cena had or Benoit and Booker T had in WCW. But it ain't always good. It doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. And they never do it as, as a best of series in that regard. No, uh, you got to work a certain style to pull that off. And I feel bad, but they didn't happen it with those two. Yeah. 
Andrew Nolly says, please don't make me hate seeing Angel Garza and Zelina by pairing them with Lashley and Lana. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, I, I can't I can't argue that. Asuka and Kyrie Sane are so goddamn good. Ugh, just I'd never know what they're saying. I just know that it's good. I Kyrie is such a good heel. I can't believe I ever doubted her being a heel. She is such a little troll, and it's amazing. She hides behind the ref, cracks Natalia with a back fist. Asuka kept getting involved in Kyrie wins via countout. And this is after the Elimination Chamber participants are announced. You got Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan. Huh? You got to have a Riot Squad moment in there. But then you have Shayna and you have, I can't remember who else, Asuka and Natalia. Well, Kyrie just beat Natalia. There's going to be some sort of con- like continuity there. Could could WWE be answering my prayers, Denise? Could we see Kabuki Warriors Divas of Doom? I don't know. But I do know that I like that they, you know, obviously we don't know what they're saying when they come out. But for the most <laughs> part, like today, I was thinking to myself, what was Asuka saying? She was saying, like, we don't care. We don't care. They were, you can tell that what they're doing each and every single week, whatever they're saying is totally different. And I liked how they, they, they kind of felt like they pushed it to a different level today with what they were saying. You know, they, they were dancing, uh, Asuka was saying, we don't care. And then we had a uh, Kyrie Singh doing this crazy, like maniacal, I'm a psycho type of laugh, which was uh really good. Um, I like the match itself. I like, again, if they're going to be together and they're going to be known for, you know, basically helping each other out all the, time then hey might as well do it um the one of the things so that i just kept thinking to myself was i don't know i saw a few people that may have noticed a few things that were said on commentary today which to me just kind of felt like a little like oh there was two comments that were said today and i felt one some people were talking about like one thing but there was something else where i was just like guys this is not good and i know a lot of people are like when i mentioned the divas of doom thing they say oh well beth phoenix was there last year and she got she got that title match yeah but this was like one of the OG tag teams in WWE or at least this generation of of women for Kyrie Sane I do think she should be in the elimination chamber I do not think Sarah Logan should be unless they have something major planned and you could further the Natalia thing there but yeah I definitely want to see Divas of Doom Kabuki Warriors, and if it's at Mania, that'd be great. I mean, Iconics are nowhere to be found. I don't know what's going on with them. I've been trying to find out. I know one has been training a little bit. The other one's been running around Florida, but uh, Kyrie wins via countout. So they, they have to address the fact that Kyrie is not in the Elimination Chamber when she just beat somebody that's in it, and that's why I think that Elimination Chamber qualifying matches would have been good, but oh well. Yeah. We had the sermon. This was pointless. Pointless. Rollins just babbles. Babbles on for a while about the greater good and what they've accomplished together so far. Rollins says they're going to go after the non-compliance. And then the Viking Raiders show off and run off the heels. No Samoa Joe. Owens catches Rollins with a stunner at the top of the ramp. And this was a waste of time. Rollins sets up the main event. Did this do anything for you? Man, I can't even. I was funny because I was. I had a few thoughts. Okay, so 
but there were certain things that I liked. So I liked that Seth Rollins came out and he's shaking it in people's hands. You know, he's doing the double hand yes. thing and he's doing the very like religious type of, you know, greeting. Uh, I liked that. Um, he has good lines in there. He has a good message, but they need to bring that down. They need to crop it down, give us some sound bites, some one-liners, because the whole just kind of going and going on and on, it loses me. It completely loses me. I mean, unless you're somebody like Paul Heyman that's going to talk and talk and talk, but, you know, deliver it in a way that's going to keep you enticed with everything that he's saying, it just it, it's too long. It feels too long where you don't even pay attention anymore. But yes. I do like, but I do like what he's bringing to the table in sense of I'm getting more of that stronger uh, Messiah look that he's going for. You yes. know, he's got the bigger beard. He's got the, you know, his uh, man bun is growing in a lot more. You can feel it in his demeanor and the way that he's like uh, going about things. So I will say that I feel like we're getting a stronger uh, because before it was kind of just tossing around the name. Oh, I'm the Midnight Night Messiah. I'm the Midnight Night Messiah. Yes. But now we're getting more to it. Reminder, guys, donate a super chat any amount. Get your question or statement read on the air. If you want to support us directly, subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. I'm going to have uh, some interesting names from the Performance Center uh, this week on FightfulSelect.com. But up there right now, I have a story on why WWE and CFOs stopped working together to produce WWE music. That is a Fightful Select exclusive. Plus, we have tons of podcasts. Last night... I did my NXT review solo because I had to do the Triple H media call. I did the backstage report today. I did a Q&A with over 150 questions answered uh, last week as well. Then you get Sour Graps, The List Goes On, and The Weekender as well. Speaking of Elimination Chamber, two weeks ago, Ruby Riot turned on Liv Morgan. Last week, no Liv Morgan, but Ruby Riot cut a backstage promo. This week, no Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan cuts a backstage promo. And to me, it, it, it screams that they don't have confidence in their dialogue or to keep people interested in what's going on between the two. Because having one person off one week and then the other person off the next week seems lazy to me unless they throw out a line on commentary like, yeah, WWE intentionally didn't schedule these two for the same week because they wanted to keep some semblance, they, they wanted to keep some decorum in this situation. But Liv said, I'm, I'm glad Liv's getting mic time for one, because she's good on the mic. And I'm glad to see her do that. But she says the same thing. She was shocked. She was excited. Then she was just disheartened, but she's going to become the top contender at the Elimination Chamber. Any thoughts? Yeah, they can definitely do something with them. I feel like the interest is there if they play it right. I mean, come on, look at what they're doing with uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Like that you know, has been interesting so far with what they've been doing. And so I think to myself, like, hey, why not do something like that on Raw? I mean, obviously switch it up a little bit, but they could do something along those lines and have it be a new, fresh thing. Because so far for the women's division, we've been seeing the main players every single week. So, hey, let's freshen it up. Then we get the main event, the six-man tag, which was a fun match. It was fine. Like, we got a nice STO takedown from Rezar. I just didn't see any stakes or purpose. There's nothing special about Viking Raiders and AOP now. I was looking forward to that. I thought that would be a WrestleMania match. You got the two sirloin beef sons of bitches team. And eventually that beef is just going to smack into each other. 
and now there's nothing special about it. The action's good. Jerry Lawler, if I hear him one more time talk about the definition of insanity, oh my god. And I tweeted, the definition of insanity is him showing up on commentary every week and expecting me to give a shit about anything he says. He sucks on commentary. He is so bad. And and the thing is, he undermines so much stuff. Like, he did that to The Fiend. I remember Alex bringing up how much Jerry Lawler would undermine The Fiend by saying, Oh, he'd give Freddy Krueger nightmares. And, oh my gosh, he's spooky. Oh, shut the hell up. Just lay out sometimes. Let it resonate. Ugh. Yeah. It's just, you know, the wrestlers, the talent, they could only do so much. But... When someone is saying something about you in commentary that isn't helping the character for the people watching at home, you're just going to be like, you know what? I saw this character one way and now I just see him as goofy because what they're saying is going to be shaping our perspective of what we're seeing. So and that was one of the that was one of the reasons why everybody likes Samoa Joe. Remember how crazy he put over uh, the AOP as bad guys? And I thought to myself, damn, the, A- the AOP should give him like a high five for what he did there for them. And so that that's definitely missing there. Uh, as for the match itself, I liked it. I thought it was a fun main event. There was a little bit of everything in the actual match, but I almost feel like we've been seeing the same main event for maybe a few weeks now, but like different variations of it. Um, so that's been that. And I actually like the ending to this match. I know it kind of was, you know, maybe just jumbled up or whatever, but I did like it because, you know, Seth, they, they're the bad guys. So, hey, let's give us a reason to be like, oh, these guys again. So I actually did not mind the way that this match ended. Yeah, you got to extend it, I guess. But I'm just so over even seeing them wrestle anymore. Um, the Street Profits make the save after this. And the thing is, I watched that they're set for a tag title match now. Like that, that was set. The finish was a very dark match finish where all the baby faces hit their moves. Seth Rollins hit the bricks, but now he and Murphy got to defend against Street Profits. I saw the Street Profits lose two tag title matches like in December and November alone. Now they came back, they beat Moss and Mojo Rawley. I appreciate they at least gave him a win. Sure, but they why why don't you just give him a win here and there? Like give him another win. Make him look dominant. Make him look like they earned it instead of like they're getting their third tag team title shot in a couple months because that's the thing. I'm, I'm same way I look at Oscar. I love Oscar. I like the Street Profits, but I just saw Oscar lose two title matches. Why should she be back in in the mix now over Kyrie? Like it's it's really weird. Um, I just wish they would do a little bit of a better job with that. All things considered, WWE has made a lot more sense of things recently, but this Raw, it wasn't good. And that was just the last thing. I was just like, ah. Okay, good. They got that 45-second win last week or whenever it was a couple weeks ago over Riddick Moss and Mojo, but it it just seems like they could be so much more than what they are. Yeah. Um, there, are we talking about now the whole Riddick Moss thing? I, there wasn't anything really there. I mean, I, I saw forgot some intensity to even, in him. I forgot to cover that. Jesus, yeah. Well, Riddick Moss. You, met, you mentioned it really quickly, I think. Well, yeah, Riddick Moss defeated Mojo and R Truth. Riddick Moss stole one. That was it. Truth did a five knuckle shuffle. Moss did a really weird slam where he like slapped R Truth, but that was nothing. 
That was nothing. And, and I'm okay with that. Whatever. Sure. It's an actual match for the title. You added a little bit of a stake, some stakes to this show that needed it real bad, but that's my problem is that this show needs more stakes. And at least that one did have it a little bit, but yikes, man. This one, this is thus far one of the more pointless raws of 2020. And man, there were, there were so many good ones in January. Well, it was a scattered show. That's what it felt like. Like it didn't feel like you know. Usually, I'll come on here and I'll be like, "Oh, the first hour was great. The first two hours flew, or the first hour and a half, and then the last hour flew." No, this one was very scattered. Where it was like picking and choosing a few moments here and there because I did like the Randy Orton, Matt Hardy stuff. Um, you know, I I liked a few stuff in between, and then I didn't mind the ending. But it it wasn't um it was a scattered draw for me. Anakin JMT asks, uh, wasn't Lawler supposed to be temporary? Yeah. Like every time he's been brought in in recent years, he was supposed to be. Uh, I just don't get it. But I also don't get why you guys aren't leaving your thumbs up and subscribing. Go ahead and do that now. Tap that bell for notifications. Reminder, subscribe to Fightful Select. Our podcast scheduled this week. Uh, we had NXT TakeOver. We had media calls, all that stuff. Of course, we have Raw tonight. And this is just on Fightful.com, not including Fightful Select. But tomorrow, we have a, a Cody Rhodes media teleconference. Wednesday is Listen Your Boy and Wednesday Night War. And then Friday, SmackDown. Denise, what you got going this week? All right, so this week I have – okay, first of all, go to the channel and subscribe, guys. YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. If you search my name in, I will pop up. I'm almost at 25,000 subscribers. I'm like 500 and something away, so I'm really fingers crossed hoping that comes sooner rather than later. Um, I think I think this week I'll be covering the LA Sports Awards, so hopefully, fingers crossed, that all works out, and I should have some, uh, some content up there from that. And then other than that, I'm just posting a bunch of videos daily, so make sure to check those out. Oh, and I do have an interview. Oh, wait, no, I mentioned that already last week. Score with the guy that you guys can check out as well. Well worth checking out. Make sure you guys subscribe to Denise's channel. If you didn't watch Listen Your Boy last week, one of our better episodes. Sorry, I've got a little bit of a cough right now. Check it out, guys. Fightful.com. Until next time, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.